0: you're tuned in to 90.7 FM KALX Berkeley. My name is Tesla Munson, and this is The Graduates, the interview talk show where we speak with UC Berkeley graduate students about their work here on campus and around the world. Today, I'm joined by Steve Lee, who's in the master's program in translational medicine here at UC Berkeley that falls under bioengineering, correct? Yes. Yeah. Well, welcome, Steve. Thanks for being here. Thank you. So, we should just start by saying you are a Bear alum, correct? Yes. You've been here for a while. Yeah. Are you a California resident, native resident? Uh, yeah. Yeah?
1: Lived in L.A. my whole life.
0: And then came to the North Bay? Yeah. <laughs> so are you going back down there or are you like it up here? I like it up here, actually. Okay. okay. You're not just saying that because you're here, right? No.
1: no, no. Yeah. I actually plan on uh, staying in San Francisco next year.
0: Nice. Yeah. Nice. So you're going to put your Dodgers hat away then? <laughs> I've
1: never had one, actually. Uh-oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that too loudly. <laughs> Um, So what was it like being a Cal undergrad? Did you like it?
1: Yeah, I loved being a Cal. Met a lot of interesting people. Met a lot of passionate people. Some of who uh, became my best friends. I was also able to push myself um, to a place I never thought I could go. So I'm really glad um, I ended up here as opposed to any other schools. And it really felt like home. Um, I went to a big public school for middle school and went to a very small private school for high school. So coming back to public school was extremely eye-opening and yeah, just felt like home.
0: Nice. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't stick around if you, if you hated it too much. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, and you were in integrated biology yes. as an undergrad. That's my department now. Yeah. So cheers to IB. Cheers. Uh, what'd you think about that? And don't feel biased just cause I'm sitting here and across Definitely. from you.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I actually initially wanted to become a doctor, which is why I chose Integrated Biology as my major. Um, I really liked the fact that I could study biology from an organism perspective, um, studying humans as a whole. How different parts of the body communicated with each other, um, with hormones especially. And um, I was also very interested in physiology, so how uh, the body metabolizes energy and produces the most... From the carbon sources, and I also really enjoyed learning about the difference between humans and animals, and how we have evolved, and uh, what kind of advantages and disadvantages we have gained from that process.
0: Yeah, no, and you actually did some research as an undergrad, correct? Definitely. Yeah, you want to tell us about some of those projects? Sure.
1: Um, so at the end of my sophomore year, I joined Corey, which is at uh, which is in Oakland, and I studied cholesterol uh, genetic pathways and seeing how statins. Um, affected in cholesterol homeostasis in uh, human cells.
0: So what, what is CORI? Can you tell me more about that?
1: Yeah, CORI uh, is an acronym for Children's Hospital in Oakland Research Institute. So it's funded by Children's Hospital, and it recently was joined by UCSF. Um, there's a lot of labs in there that doesn't necessarily have to do anything with children, um, but uh, they basically um, study physiology, metabolism, genetics, and they want to improve human health.
0: Okay. That was my next question. Do children have high cholesterol? But you're saying that it doesn't have to be related. Oh, no. Yeah, (laughs) it's not
1: related. Yeah, for us. Okay.
0: Uh, So what are the types of things you did in that lab?
1: We did a lot of uh, control uh, studies in which we have a control group and we have a satin-treated group, and we saw a lot of differences in um, specific let's say, RNAs or proteins that we were looking for. And once we found that out, we wanted to figure out why by looking at even other RNAs and proteins. And it was basically a lot of hypothesis-driven research. Mm -hmm. And we did some visualization. We did um, a lot of cell counting, cholesterol quantification, protein quantification.
0: So I'm not familiar with cholesterol at all. You're you're saying satin-treated?
1: Statin. Statin oh, treated. Yeah, so, what, so.
0: Can you tell me what that is?
1: Yeah, statin is the a, is a most widely used class of drug to lower cholesterol, mostly for older population. It's generally known to be safe and very effective, but we also wanted to study all the side effects to make sure um, we're not causing any damage in the long run.
0: No, that's great. Okay, thanks. Yeah, Yeah, um, I'm not familiar. Luckily, thankfully, I'm not familiar with uh, those types of medications yet (laughs) uh, at this point. Um, And you also did some research here on campus too, right? Yes. You said in the Brooks Lab. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Definitely.
1: So um, I was on the cycling team for maybe a semester. And um, luckily, I stayed on the listserv and I saw a symposium for exercise physiology research. So I went into it at the end of my junior year and heard the talk and thought it was exactly what I wanted to do in my senior year as my honors thesis. So after the talk, I approached Dr. Brooks, approached some of his graduate students, including Raja, uh, who became my supervisor for honors thesis study. And uh, yeah, that's where we started. And there was a new class of protein called MPCs. They're called mitochondrial Um that were just found maybe two years ago. So we wanted to study more about that and how that affected human metabolism. So uh, we did a lot of, again, uh, visualization and a lot of Western blotting, um, seeing, seeing where MPC exactly was and what function it was doing in human cells.
0: So does that involve like human cells in dishes or?
1: Yeah. It was mostly in dishes.
0: And did they take them from you, or do they have a stock, or
1: what? Oh, we we definitely bought it, and we kept growing it.
0: Oh, okay. And
1: there were, um, let's see, human breast tissues as well as rat muscle tissues.
0: Why do you need human and rat tissues?
1: So every type of tissue, so whether whether it's from different parts of the body or it's from a different organism, they all um, have different expression. Of especially protein carriers. So we wanted to see, we first targeted muscle cells because they are the most metabolically active cells, and so are human uh, breast cancer tissues, uh, which is why we chose those two t- tissues to study metabolism specifically.
0: And so how do you keep cells alive? Do you just like throw in a little goldfish food once a day, and, and they do their thing? or?
1: Yeah, so uh, we mostly keep them in freezers, um, and they can last for years in freezers. Uh, We take some out at a time, and we grow them using specific protocols by giving them certain uh, nutrients and also depriving them of certain nutrients at certain points to turn them into the cells we want them to be. And
0: What can you turn them into?
1: um, For instance, muscle cells. If you give them too much nutrient, they keep evolving into um, different types of muscle cells. So we want it... Wanted to stop at a certain stage of a muscle cell so that we can study it the best.
0: Okay. So it's not going to like turn into a human heart or oh, like no, no. a small human and walk no. away. Okay. Yeah. Just checking. You know, <laughs> I want to make sure, you know, what's going on in there. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so I'm actually, IGSI for human biological variation. And we're talking about the HELA cells, Henrietta Lacks, um, those ever-growing cells from a long time ago. Are those the cell, is that the cell line you're using do you know that?
1: Um, I haven't heard about it, but most cells that are used in lab settings, um, they're specifically engineered so that they could divide many times, up to 20, 30, 40 times. So um, I'm sure the properties are very similar in which if you grow them, then they'll keep dividing and you can uh, keep culturing them to get more cells.
0: No, that sounds good. And, uh Listeners, if you're interested in Henrietta Lacks, definitely check out the book. You can learn more about the origins of this sort of tissue growing and uh, what sorts of amazing things we can do with it. So George Brooks never put you on one of those bikes. I know they put a lot of people on bikes and then like attach things to them. And so it was a totally different kind of research up there, huh?
1: Yeah, so he has two different divisions. One is actually working with human subjects and studying their metabolism and performance, especially. And uh, the other is actually studying metabolism from a cell level, which is what I did as my honors thesis.
0: And would you say that got you uh, interested in the nonprofit that you're working with today?
1: I say they're completely unrelated. Completely but, unrelated. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, no, health, to me, you know, health and health um, seems related. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> because, you know, I study teeth. So <laughs> um, so tell me, why are they not related? What do, tell, tell us what uh, you're working on right now.
1: Definitely. So I co-founded a nonprofit called Seed of Health with two of my friends when we were in undergrads. And the idea was to uh, improve global health right now. And we believed it could happen, and we saw a lot of help needed in underserved communities. So uh, we decided to go out to Ethiopia, uh, interview a lot of patients, physicians, uh, the government, the U.S. Embassy uh, saw what the needs were, and uh, we figured out that brain drain was the most important problem we need to address. And brain drain is a problem in which doctors get educated in their home country, but leave their home country to make more money and in fact in Ethiopia doctors only make about $300 a month which is um, just barely enough to uh, live day to day so we wanted to go in there um, open a clinic that will empower local physicians to treat their patients uh, by providing them with medical supplies from US that are donated thus lowering costs and us being able to pay the doctors a little more.
0: So that so it's not related, though, even though it's health and health.
1: Um, So I'd say health has been my personal passion for pretty much all my life. I was born very premature from a very sick mother, and I miraculously lived because of various biotechnology and drugs and um, everything that kept me alive for the first few years of my life. So growing up, I've always been interested in health and also helping other people with their health problems. So which is why I came into Cal and decided to major in biology, study about health, and uh, also wanted to help those in need, uh, which happens to be in Ethiopia right now.
0: Yeah, so how did you choose Ethiopia? Do you have connections there?
1: So when we first started, uh, we had a Ethiopian member um, who really saw the need for improvement in healthcare in Ethiopia. And uh, it was also easier for us to travel there uh, because our members spoke Ethiopian. So that's how we uh, got started with in Ethiopia.
0: No, that's great. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to 90.7 FM KALX Berkeley. My name is Tesla Munson, and this is The Graduates. This is the interview talk show where we speak with Cal students doing work here on campus and around the world. Today, I'm joined by translational medicine student Steve Lee, who's talking about his life as an undergrad here at Cal in integrated biology. And now his work as one of the co-founders of the nonprofit Seed of Health, doing outreach and medical work in Ethiopia. So tell us a little more. There's How many members are uh, in your organization right now?
1: We currently have about 25 members. Most of them are undergrads, and the board members are all Cal alumni.
0: Oh, so okay. So you're really keeping this Cal-centered.
1: So our idea is to plan chapters throughout the nation, whether it's high schools or college. We started at Cal. We're looking into expanding into Stanford as well. And um we recently actually talked to one of the high schoolers who was passionate about starting a chapter in his high school and kind of creating a movement within the high schools in Bay Area.
0: That's really great. So how did you get all these members together? Did you did they just like come to you or did you advertise?
1: Yeah, we did a lot of recruiting. Uh, we sought a lot of pre med clubs as well as business clubs. We sent out a lot of listserv emails to career mails and listeners such as ibe mails and a lot of those who are passionate about health who wanted to make a difference today who wanted to learn about leadership wanted to learn about fundraising marketing uh, came to us we interviewed them and we formed the team and it's been growing every semester since we started and now we have four project teams um, each working independently uh, working on different goals to fundraise for this clinic. And we hope to open the clinic by February 2015, which is in a few months.
0: Yeah, so can you walk us through the process? You you like, come up with the idea for this nonprofit. How do you go about just making, building a nonprofit from nothing?
1: So we met at a coffee shop first um, at Milano on Bancroft. Uh, we brainstormed, thought about what we wanted to do, where we wanted this organization to go. We first reached out to other nonprofits um, that were fairly new. And asked them how they were able to do this on their own. So we received a lot of help in terms of documenting what we wanted to do, especially with writing bylaws and articles of incorporation. And we sought some pro bono lawyers help as well, got the nonprofit status. And so we started fundraising before we received the status. We've been uh, mainly doing uh, personally reaching out to organizations, especially those with religious or health affiliations or Ethiopian affiliations. And right now we're running a crowdfunding campaign as well um, for anyone to contribute if they're passionate about the cause. And it's on Ucaring.com. It's a crowdfunding website more tailored for nonprofits. And if you're interested in helping us out, uh, please go to seed of health.
0: So is that you like the letter, or YOU? Uh, YOU. You caring. And so I have to ask, do you guys have a religious aspect, or did you just reach out to religious organizations?:
1: So we don't as an organization, but the president and myself I'm the VP, uh, we are both Christians, so we were able to connect with a lot of uh, Christian community around the area. And did
0: you find that they, they're they really willing to help?
1: Definitely. Actually, a lot, a majority of our donations came from Christian organizations who really believed in our mission and um, who also wanted to empower us students to go out there and make a difference. And
0: on the other side of things in Ethiopia, is that going to play out at all? You know, having a Christian affiliation?
1: Yeah. So actually, majority of the people in Ethiopia are Christians. So even though we don't advertise it uh, when we go there, it's a way of connecting With them. So, one of the ways we connected with them was through religion and also letting them know that we are passionate about their health and that we wanted to educate them. We wanted to provide them with better medical access to uh, make them healthier, make them stronger, and on the long run, make them. Stronger, smarter.
0: So, how do you go about contacting Ethiopian officials? Is that were, did you find them really receptive? How did you get in touch with the Ethiopian government? Or like when you were ready to go to Ethiopia and bring yeah. this to them as a country, what, how do you go? What are the steps for that?
1: So, we first got in contact with the Ethiopian government because they were giving out free land for anyone who wanted to do something meaningful with them. So, we reached out to the government, and that's how we got connected to the government. So, when we flew out there, um, in winter of 2012, um, we were easily able to meet up with them and discuss what our plans were. Uh, When we were there, we actually sought uh, help from U.S. Embassy there as well, and she was actually very easily accessible uh, from our standpoint and was very willing to meet up with us as well.
0: So why are they giving away free land? How did you find out about that program?
1: So uh, we found out from our member who happened to be Ethiopian, and her family was in Ethiopia.
0: That's it, because that seems like a really smart way to start out the whole thing, to get the land first. And you you had to fill out applications, I presume, and detail the project. Yeah. So that's really interesting. And they were willing to give it out to anyone, or did having the Ethiopian member really uh, make that selling point?
1: Yeah. I'm very sure that having an Ethiopian member really helped out a lot. In underdeveloped countries... They're actually pretty not receptive to Americans or Europeans coming in and just building a clinic. So that's why we took meticulous steps to really connect with the community there and make sure that we weren't intruding on their community, but rather really working with them to improve their health.
0: So how have you found doctors? Have you been recruiting doctors and um, other help? How do you go about doing that? Yeah,
1: so we have two ophthalmologists working with us from Ethiopia side. Uh, One of them um, will be our full-time physician when we open the clinic. We actually found them by literally going into uh, local hospitals and seeing who was really passionate about this cause and who also had some sort of experience uh, doing independent operation of hospitals. They usually happen to be sort of managers in a bigger hospital, who were willing to work with us and really help us grow as fast as possible.
0: Have you found that the patients or local residents are open to this idea? You know, they're looking forward to having a new hospital or new clinic?
1: Definitely. So we were trying to open a clinic in Bahir Dar region of Ethiopia, uh, which is um, definitely not the capital. It's a pretty big region, um, but it is severely underserved in terms of medical access So first problem we wanted to address was ophthalmology, the uh, problems with eye, uh, because Ethiopia has one of the highest rates of blindness in the world. And in fact, there's only about 100 ophthalmologists in the whole country, and about half of them are in the capital, uh, which leaves only 50 to treat the rest of the country. So in Bahir Dar, there's a huge lack of uh, medical access, um, and we visited some public hospitals, but they were backlogged by months. Um, it was too far for a lot of people to reach. And private hospitals were simply too expensive for most patients to afford. So what we wanted to do was receive help from the U.S. side with equipment and uh, consumables and really lower the cost for patients. While even though it will be a little more expensive than going to public hospital, um, it will drastically improve the access from patient side, um, especially if they're seeking eye care.
0: So is Cal involved at all in this? I mean, you said you have a lot of Cal alum, you have a lot of undergraduates. Is the university involved at all or is this separate from the university?
1: So we're recognized as a university club. So they provide us with resources such as uh, classrooms and funding requests. um, But we mainly operate separately from the university.
0: Maybe you can get some Cal shirts though to send over there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and get some Cal advertising in Ethiopia. Yep. <laughs> um, so you said you envision this spreading out uh, as chapters, and not just the West Coast, even, but as far as far as you can see, really, right? Yes. And would it focus just on Ethiopia, or you know, do you have interest in expanding this idea to other countries, or what? How big do your dreams go, Steve?
1: Definitely. Um, so I'm a big dreamer and I don't believe in limits so um, our idea currently is to is to allow the new chapters to figure out their own goals um, own target countries and the problems they want to solve in underserved communities so it'll be kind of like a friendly competition let's say between Cal and Sanford um, while working together to solve one problem which is medical access in underserved communities.
0: So, you said you started out as a pre medical student. What made you change your mind and go towards this nonprofit track?
1: Definitely. Walking in nonprofit was one of my passions I've had since I was young. I thought uh, there were other people who needed help from uh, more fortunate people, such as myself and the rest of us here, uh, which is why I didn't hesitate to start with nonprofit. But actually, I don't plan on uh, going into nonprofit full time after I graduate. Um, I came into the Master of Translational Medicine program in order to. Uh, drive changes in the healthcare system, especially within the medical technology part. Um, I used to be a pre-med student uh, my whole undergrad career, but as I learned more about our healthcare system and its inefficiencies, I saw only two ways to improve it. The first was through policy, and the second was through technology. Technology was the most direct way for me to transform healthcare, so I decided to become a scientist who really stood at the forefront of driving change, which is why I came into the translational medicine program. And this really meant developing skills and gaining knowledge to work with any scientific ideas and turning them into realities, uh, which was the whole point of the program we study a lot about the regulatory pathways of bringing research products into the market, and we also study a lot of our business strategy. And I, I believe working with City of Health has had a huge impact on this as well because really saw myself um, growing passion for leadership, um, especially leading an organization, leading a company with a huge vision. So saw more more room for myself to grow in the biotechnology medical devices and industry, where I can really lead an organization and uh, push out products that are gonna that are gonna transform the way patients live.
0: Can you tell us a little bit more about the translational medicine program? What is so? I should have asked this in the beginning, but what is translational medicine? What does that mean?
1: So translational medicine is a multidisciplinary approach to transforming a medical and scientific idea into a reality. So at the foundation is bioengineering and more of the research principles. And translational sciences focus more on the regulatory pathways as well as business strategies to bring these products into the market and succeed.
0: So it's really all about... Going from the beginning, the idea, all, all the way down at the biological level and then making that a reality that you can implement and help people in the real world. Definitely. Yes, so exactly. Seed of Health, that's exactly sort of what you're doing, right? Is
1: Yes. Or- Even though um, it's a nonprofit model, um, I'm really interested in implementation and actually making an idea into a reality.
0: So is that not common to be a nonprofit model in translational medicine? I'd
1: say it's very uncommon, especially since it requires a lot of capital front for the research part. So unless there are investors who are um, hoping for a lot of large returns, um, it's really hard to get a lot of nonprofit funding to fund the research part of translational medicine.
0: Would you recommend the program for other students and?
1: I would definitely highly recommend the program to anyone interested in um, biotechnology, medical devices, or even just leadership and seeing where they want to go. First, I saw a limitation to treating one patient at a time and really making a difference in the world. So I decided to take this pivot. Um, so I say there are a lot of scientists out there right now making groundbreaking discoveries and uh, creating technologies that are going to save numerous people. The problem is that a lot of those scientists uh, do not know where to go after making this discovery. And for me, it was my passion to work with those scientists and really bring their ideas into the market.
0: No, No, that's great. And if undergraduates are interested in learning more about Seed of Health or volunteering their time, how would you recommend them getting in contact with you?
1: Uh, so you can visit our website at seatofhealth.org. And you can also email us at info at And we would really love to see anyone, it uh, doesn't matter what your skill or background is, to reach, really reach out to us and figure out how we can work together to make Ethiopia a better place to live. And Seed of health has big plans in the future, especially with uh, reaching out to different chapters and uh, creating bigger goals for ourselves every year. So if you're passionate, please reach out to us.
0: So you don't think people need to have a connection to Ethiopians uh, specifically in order to want to make a difference?
1: Definitely not. In fact, I have not met an Ethiopian before coming to Cal and working specifically with City of Health. So um, if you're just passionate about health, if you're passionate about learning about leadership, uh, project management, marketing, fundraising, just reach out to us and we'll figure out a way to work together.
0: And you said your fundraising site is youcaring.com backslash Seed of Health? Yeah. Nice. Okay. And seedofhealth.org. Thank you so much, Steve. Uh, we're just about out of time here. Do you have any last words for the audience, either about translational medicine or Seed of Health or anything else we've talked about?
1: i say today the healthcare system is transforming really fast, and we need more leaders who are willing to drive change. So if you're passionate, please do look into CIF Health or the Translational Medicine Program and learn more about it.
0: Yes, thank you so much, Steve. Today you've done a great job really highlighting the process, you know, going from an undergraduate who's interested in health and medicine and research and sort of the avenue you can take to really make a difference, a direct difference, and implement uh, your skills in the world. So Seed of Health, the clinic's going to be opening up February 2015, you said. Yes. Hopefully, you know, none of us are going to visit it per se, but you'll be back in Ethiopia checking it out.
1: Yeah, so we actually, uh, since I'm a master's student in one-year axillary program, um, my winter break is only two weeks, so my dates don't match up. But uh, the president of the organization will be moving there for six weeks to help with the implementation and work personally with the, with our full-time ophthalmologist.
0: That's great to hear. And thank you again for telling us all about what Cal students can do and what community members can do and what we as people can do uh, to make a difference. Thank you. You're still tuned in to 90.7 FM KALX Berkeley. My name is Tesla Munson. This has been another great episode of The Graduates here on CalX. It's the interview talk show where we speak with UC graduate students about their work here on campus and around the world. Today, we've been speaking with co-founder of Seed of Health, Steve Lee. He's in the master's program of translational medicine here at UC Berkeley. And he's been telling us all about his nonprofit organization and what they're doing to make a difference in health access in Ethiopia. Stay tuned. You're listening to 90.7 FM KALX Berkeley.